Hi everyone, welcome to Oscar Wild, a podcast about film always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rorkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. What's your favorite scary movie? We'll be talking about all of our favorite scary movies today because we're introducing the Oscar Wilde Horror Oscars, where we'll go through a few different categories and choosing our own nominees, and they can range from our own personal favorites to actually great performances to campy performances. I think we're going to run the whole gambit today, and I can't wait to see who all of our picks are and where we overlap and where they don't. I am guessing that we are actually not going to have a lot of overlap, which is very fun. I think I had some classics where I thought, okay, I have to put this person in or I have to include this movie. But then at other times I thought the Oscars, part of the reason we're doing this game and why we created this new idea for an episode is because every year without fail, there are incredible horror movies with, you know, fantastic production design or cinematography, performances, direction, and the Academy goes for some boring autobiographical film or like some drama that no one will remember in five years instead because Mm -hmm. they don't want to embrace things that are scary or things that are campy things that are different so I'm excited to go through these categories we'll be doing all four acting categories director and picture and yeah I'm excited to see who we come up with we were only allowed to pick three nominees from a single movie So, for example, let's say you really love Halloween Kills. I really hope that you didn't do this. But, for example, you could only pick picture Jamie Lee Curtis and actress and Judy Greer in supporting. You couldn't add David Gordon Green for director. You would have to only pick three. (laughs) I think you would drop dead if I chose that movie. Yeah, I would. I would fall over like Michael Myers and then disappear. (laughs) Go live in a tunnel for a while. Yeah, I didn't do that, but the Halloween is a big franchise, so I'm sure it'll come up in multiple ways today. The other thing, too, we were allowed to pick actors, directors, films that were actually nominated at the Oscars. So on the rare occasion that the Academy did decide to be bold and choose someone from a horror movie, we were allowed to pick those people as well, if we wanted to. That's mostly where I went today. But they did get it right a few times, Mm -hmm. and those few instances are pretty incredible. There's one winner that I have on my board, but I didn't pick. But it's interesting to see like when they did go there. And if you want to go back and listen, two years ago we did a horror movie draft where we went through different categories, not Oscar categories, but we went and chose our favorite movies from like the pre-1950s or like our favorite monster movie, Paranormal, Slasher, remake or sequel so if you want to go back and listen i at first thought this was like a draft we were doing today and (laughs) my mind went insane like thinking oh my god you're gonna pick this i need to have like Mm -hmm. 17 backups just in case no no this will be a kind and loving episode (laughs) no competition and you saying we're not gonna have a lot of overlap that really surprises me so let's start with best supporting actor my nominees are Choi Min-sik for I Saw the Devil. Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs. Yes, this is in supporting actor. Okay. Matthew Lillard for Scream. Incredible. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop commenting. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Tony Todd for Candyman and Alex Wolf in Hereditary. We have 
approximately zero overlap. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I really do love the Matthew Lillard nomination, though, I have to say. Okay, so I have Alan Arkin for Wait Until Dark, Scatman Crothers for The Shining, (laughs) Ted Levine for The Silence of the Lambs, Oh, wow. Buffalo okay. Bill, I had to. Mm-hmm. Jason Miller for The Exorcist, and Donald Pleasance for Halloween. See, and I knew we were going to go in different directions. Like, you were going to take the older Hollywood, and mm-hmm. I was going to be newer. Mm-hmm. It was just bound to happen. But yeah. those are great. I love those. I love yours, too. Are there any that you want to talk about as, like, maybe your winner and your runner-up, or ones that you really love? Oh, This is the one category where I only have five. I think it's interesting that, you know, in horror, either we come for the Scream Queens. Mm -hmm. I have so many in Best Actress. But I think shining, supporting actor performances are harder to come by. We'll be talking about Hereditary a lot. Mm -hmm. Alex Wolf is great. Payman. I was him for Halloween two years ago. Oh, my God. Never forget. One of my favorite costumes. (laughs) (laughs) I think my runner-up would be Choi Min-sik, and I know I've mentioned this movie before. Mm-hmm. This is a really good one. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. You would probably also recognize him from Old Boy. I think that's where he had his major leading performance, but here he is just deranged, and his co-star, Lee Byung-hoon, I wanted to like give them the split win here because they both act off of each other really, really well in different ways, and they're both terrifying. But he, like Song Kang-ho, are just incredible Korean actors and performances that would never be recognized at the Oscars, and I think it's so worthy here. My winner has to be Anthony Hopkins. It's just the creepiest ever, and... We, on our episode, talked about his presence and how he is always there, even when he's not. But I think I'm changing my answer and making it okay that he's supporting. <laughs> I was going to say, are you just putting him in supporting because it's easier for your picks? <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit. Fine. <laughs> we'll have a little bit of fraud. It's Yeah, whatever. it's fine. What about your picks? Do you have a winner, runner-up? personal favorite oh so i put alan arkin in here because this performance is just deranged and i remember when i first saw this movie being so scared of him audrey hepburn is also excellent in wait until dark she Mm -hmm. spoiler alert was not nominated for me even though she absolutely would deserve a nomination but alan arkin in this movie he's doing something that is just so committed and bizarre he has the sinister presence. There's also some comedy to it, which I like. He's just diabolical. And I think even if you saw if you saw a picture from this movie, you would recognize him. Scatman Crothers in The Shining, obviously. When he goes back to the Overlook, you are just like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But I love his casting here, and I feel like he brings a lot to that role. My runner-up is Ted Levine for The Silence of the Lambs, who plays Buffalo Bill. He... In this role as the serial killer is so terrifying and I think it's such a shame that he wasn't recognized at the Oscars when this movie won the big five and I actually don't really consider The Silence of the Lambs to be a horror movie. I think of it more as a psychological thriller, something similar to like Seven or Zodiac, but I think that what Ted Levine does here, he makes it feel like a horror movie and 
yeah, I think it's a shame that the Academy couldn't recognize his performance. I think because it was so strange and there's something so off about him in the movie. And I feel like he's just so committed to the physicality of the role. And I mean, he really had to do more than anyone in that movie, pretty much. So he's my runner up. My winner, I think this is one of the greatest performances in all of horror. It's Jason Miller for The Exorcist, who plays Father Karras. I know that people talk about Reagan and they talk about Ellen Burstyn's performance as her mother. And they think of those terrifying scenes in that bedroom before Father Karras even arrives. But for me, like the heart of the movie is Jason Miller. It's him coming to terms with being a priest and with his experiences with his mother. I think those are some of the scariest scenes in the movie, the way that he's being haunted. And I think he brings something so deep and personal to the role. It feels like you're watching theater, really. And I feel like he deserved to win. So that year, John Houseman won for The Paper Chase. But I absolutely think Jason Miller should have won the Oscar. So this is me writing that wrong here and giving him his deserved win. We each had one show up at the Oscars. Yeah, our winners. Yours just won in a different category. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, ready for supporting actress? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, these are silly. These are more fun. Yeah. All right. My nominees are Anne Dowd for Hereditary, Betty Gabriel for Get Out, Piper Laurie for Carrie, Tilda Swinton for Suspiria, and Lily Taylor for The Conjuring. Love those. (laughs) We actually have a lot of overlap here. My nominees are Linda Blair for The Exorcist, Courtney Cox for Scream, (laughs) Anne Dowd for Hereditary, Betty Gabriel for Get Out, Yes, and Piper Laurie for Carrie. (laughs) Yes. Okay. This is a really good, really good showing. (laughs) Let's see. Talk about your other two because we can get to our three overlaps yeah so i picked tilda for suspiria the luca guadagnino remake so we joke that she's our mother but she's also mother here in luca's suspiria (laughs) she plays three characters madame blanc mother helena marcos and dr klemperer So she's just disappearing into so many roles in this movie. I didn't put her in lead, even though she takes up a good amount of screen time by playing these three characters, because Dakota Johnson is the lead as Susie Mm -hmm. slash Mother Suspiriorum. But yeah, I feel like she she really does disappear into all of these roles. And Tilda Swinton is just perfect for horror. And I want her to get more roles in horror movies. Work Mm -hmm. with Ari Aster, please. It's my plea to Tilda and Ari, find each other. And then Lily Taylor in The Conjuring. I feel like she really delivers as this possessed mom. I love The Conjuring. And she has to experience the possession and be, I think, very realistic in that part. Like she's this mom who wants to take care of her family and they move into this big house. And then the second she decides to stay home and take a nap when the kids go out with the dad you know it's all over. And I think she's really committed in the ending as well. It helps that the man who plays her husband, Ron Livingston, is really phoning it in. So (laughs) it makes her look even better, I think, in this movie. But The Conjuring is really just a classic of 
the mm-hmm. 21st century for horror, I think. It's really well done. And spawned a major franchise because it was such a box office success. Oh, yeah. I love The Conjuring. It's one of the more horrifying recent releases, like wide blockbustery releases. And that's a pretty rare feat. I haven't seen all of them, but this original one is definitely one I return to. Let's see. With mine, I mean, Linda Blair, just the things she had to do and go through. We mm-hmm. talked about last year when we did this on an episode, like her voice work and just imagining the things she's saying as a child is horrifying. So I give her major props here as Reagan, Courtney Cox. So Drew Barrymore was a very close second for me, but Courtney Cox has been in the entire saga. And I love her from like Scream 2 when they're in the sound studio running from him in that auditorium when they're in Scream 4 in that barn being watched and tracked by him every single moment. And then she comes back in five. So I had to put her in here. Also on my list was Laurie Metcalf from Scream 2 because she deserves another Oscar nom. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, all of these screams... I just wanted to incorporate them mm-hmm. wherever and however I could. So I needed to make it work. So with our three, we have Ann Dowd, Betty Gabriel, and Piper Laurie. Ann Dowd just, again, she deserves an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. This performance, like many others that she does, are incredibly manipulative and maniacal. And I think her evolution and as this movie progresses, you see all of the gears turning behind the scenes and like when they go to Ann Dowd's apartment and she's not there anymore and you can see the symbol on the table it's just like you know she's gone full tilt and Mm -hmm. I love it so much because she's so unassuming at first and friendly and then she's this demon my favorite line readings from Ann Dowd in Hereditary are when she goes oh Annie in the parking lot oh my god and like practically drops her stuff (laughs) <laughs> and Tony Collette is like, please leave me alone. Like, this is not, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. And my other is when she's, I wouldn't call anything about hereditary campy. Like, I wouldn't describe it that way. But her line readings, they are so over the top at times, which I appreciate. I think I nominated her here instead of Ruth Gordon from Rosemary's Baby, partly because Ruth Gordon won an Oscar. And I did try to keep Oscar winners off of my list. But mm-hmm. They're sort of spiritually similar. They're both these like kooky neighbors who seem like they're, you know, all everything's fine at first and then things just start to spiral and you realize that they're agents of the devil, basically. And I love when in that scene in Hereditary with the seance, when she's like Louie, like calling him and her like grandson and mm-hmm. doing all of that. That's so good. I mean, Anne Dowd is always good. She's one of those people. And I have another example of this on my list later on but she's one of those people when she shows up you know it's bad news right away like you know something's going down (laughs) ever since the leftovers and the handmaid's tale you can just assume Mm -hmm. when Ann Dowd's around it's not good and then let's talk about Betty Gabriel for get out Betty Gabriel and get out plays Georgina their housekeeper and I picked her because I knew when I saw the movie She was the character that first indicated to me that something was severely off, whether it's her just looking at herself in the mirror or that scene when Daniel Kaluuya 
when he's outside and you see her like up in the window, just like looking at herself and her reflection. Mm-hmm. And he lo- thinks that she's looking at him or to her line reading of no, 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 no. It's so, so scary. And just again, it's just off. There's something uncanny about her. And I feel like she, she does that so well because when you find out that Georgina is actually their grandmother, like the Armitage grandmother in her body, mm-hmm. that's believable. Like she achieved that. So I love this performance. I think it's great. Yeah, it's from that first scene when Chris sees her standing there so empty in the kitchen and she always has this fake grin on her face and you know that something is wrong. I mean, her eyes, I love the tear that just falls out of her eye when Chris asks about the phone and he can start to see that something's really wrong. I'm glad she made both of our lists because this was a pretty easy choice for me. So then our last one, we have Piper Laurie. I mean, this is just the most inspired choice. Definitely the most campy aspect of this film is everything that Piper is doing. She was nominated. Just like the most terrifying performance as Carrie's mother. Like I would never want to live in this home with this deranged religious freak. It's just... It's a lot. Her in that white dress, it's... I mean, it's so good. It's just so creepy. It adds a whole nother layer to this movie. This deranged religious freak. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Piper Laurie is my winner. I absolutely love her and Carrie. We talked a lot about this on our episode last year about The Exorcist and Carrie, but I feel like the fact that she thought of this movie as a comedy mm-hmm. is really why the performance is so strong to me. When I first saw Carrie, I was really young and it was the first horror movie to really get under my skin. I couldn't sleep at night for weeks without just being terrified. And it was because of her. I just, I couldn't get her out of my head. Just the ways that she would just like rock back and forth while she was praying and some of the deranged things that she says to Carrie that hair, the costumes, like everything about this character, the way her head falls to the side at the end. It's just so, it's drama, and I love that. And then I think Betty Gabriel from Get Out is my runner-up. And I've been on the record before of saying, I wish that Piper Laurie beat Beatrice Strait at the Oscars, the network year. Yeah, that definitely should have happened. Screen time alone, but we don't have to get into that. This is so hard. These are godless times, Nick. Godless times. (laughs) I pray you find Jesus. I'm so close to repeating your runner-up and winner, but I think I'm just going to go and say Betty Gabriel runner-up and Courtney Cox as my winner. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're taking it there. We have to. It's fine. We're this is a made-up game. We are exactly. we're writing the wrongs of the Oscars and making our own rules. That's how it works. <sighs> that continues right into best actor and my nominees are Nicolas Cage for Mandy, Jeff Goldblum for The Fly, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Jack Nicholson for The Shining, and Anthony Perkins for Psycho. Okay. We have one overlap, though, on this one. I have Jeremy Irons for Dead Ringers, Robert Mitchum for The Night of the Hunter, Anthony Perkins for Psycho, George C. Scott for The Changeling, and Donald Sutherland for Don't Look Now. I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was actually torn. I wanted to give him a nomination for two movies, even though I know that's not allowed, and count Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. as well, because I, I love him in that. I love that movie, but Don't Look Now is, is my movie. I love, love, love Don't Look Now. As I imagine this being a draft, I was like, okay, she's going to pick that movie. It's fine. Like, I'm safe there. <laughs> I'll pick my movies that she's not going to touch. But yes, I knew that would show up. Anthony Perkins, he had to show up here. Yeah. We also gushed over him when we talked about Psycho. So I guess I'll just start off by saying that he's my runner-up and Jack Nicholson is my winner. Okay. But it's very close because I do love what Perkins is doing in Psycho. It's hard because I wanted to include Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like, that is such an incredible performance. Mm -hmm. But I only had three opportunities to include (laughs) The Shining. And I had to, I had mm-hmm. to pick my battles. It is an incredible performance, though. I think it is one of his best, and I like fully endorse him winning an Oscar for that role. My winner is Anthony Perkins. Absolutely, I think that his performance here is just—it's terrifying. It's so tricky and layered. Because for this movie to work, I think the audience has to be tricked into trusting him. And Janet Lee's character, Marion Crane, also has to be tricked into trusting him, right? He's so different from every other man that has come her way in this movie and every other man who has wronged her or who she's mm-hmm. on the run from. He's so different. He He's this weird sort of like twitchiness to him. He's sort of quirky. The way that he wants to joke with her in sort of an awkward way, he doesn't scare her. He's so unassuming. Mm-hmm. And then when he cleans up that crime scene... You have to believe at the same time that he didn't do it, that he's horrified and has to clean it up. Yeah. And you also have to believe that he is so accomplished as a serial killer that he does this. He's done this before. So I think he really has to walk a fine line in this movie and he has to deceive characters and he has to deceive the audience. And that's really hard to pull off. And for me, his performance in this movie is one of my favorites from any Hitchcock movie, let alone like any horror movie. So he had to be my winner. And then I think my runner up is actually going to be, it's so hard because I do love this lineup. I feel like it's really strong, but I think it would have to be Robert Mitchum for The Night of the Hunter. This movie, I think some might not consider it to be a horror movie. They might think of it more as this thriller noir film. So this is the only film that Charles Naughton ever made. It's very good if you haven't seen it. It's from 1955 and Robert Mitchum in it. He plays this traveling preacher who is just completely terrifying and sinister. And I don't want to give anything away from what he does. I know that we're going to be spoiling some of these movies, but I only really want to spoil the ones that I know people have seen, like Mm -hmm. The Shining and Carrie. This one, I do really recommend people check it out. It is, it's a really, really strong film. And his performance is just, he plays a deranged psychopath who also sings in the movie. And when people sing in horror movies, I get really freaked out. He's very good. So I would say runner up for him. But I love my other ones too. Highly recommend checking out Jeremy Irons in Dead Ringers. This is a Cronenberg movie. Have you seen this? No, but I did a little Cronenberg binge yesterday and... This is on HBO Max, and I really wanted to watch it because it's pretty highly ranked for him, too. Yeah. 
he plays twins in the movie and it is just so interesting how he navigates these roles and their identities and it's just it's weird and creepy in that classic Cronenberg way I also wanted to put a Cronenberg movie on my list because he's one of the kings of horror George C. Scott in The Changeling have you seen The Changeling no these are all on my lists and I'm like every year I'm gonna watch these new movies and I never get to them because October is always insane but it's on my list and I've heard really good things It's good. This is one that, it's from 1980. My dad recommended this to me a few years ago. I was like, you need to watch this. Melvin Douglas is great in this movie as well. I considered him also for one of my supporting slots. And it's just a good ghost story. And it's a haunted house story too. They go to this mansion and just start experiencing paranormal activity. So I recommend it. And then Donald Sutherland and Don't Look Now. I've said all I've ever had to say, I feel like, about Donald Sutherland, but he's so good as this, like, father who's experiencing grief and the type of man who comes up in horror movies all the time is one who just doesn't listen. Like, he does not follow the signs around him. He doesn't pay attention to anything dangerous in his way. He's just overly committed and duped by everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And this movie has one of my favorite endings in any horror movie and one of my favorite beginnings. And Donald Sutherland's performance in both of those parts. It's just top tier. I'm surprised he wasn't in your top two. <sighs> I mean, Anthony Perkins. Like, I can't. Yeah. He's not better than Anthony Perkins. And he's not scary. I feel like for these winners, I wanted them to be... Yeah, I wanted to pick mm-hmm. people who really terrified me. So Donald Sutherland will never do that. <laughs> so some of my other choices, Nicolas Cage... Yes, he's an Oscar winner, but not for a horror movie. Mandy is just such a unique experience. I saw this in a theater on the east side in LA, and I had no idea what was going to happen. And I was just transfixed by everything in this movie. We also have Andrea Riseborough. The story, like, I probably shouldn't even say anything about it. It's almost like you have a bad trip, or that's what the people who made the movie designed this as because Nicolas Cage is just on a whole other level (laughs) getting revenge on this cult at one point he has just like blood gushing over his face and he's like laughing it's terrifying and it's so good Mandy is kind of this also mix of genres and it's a lot of fun to experience it's beautiful and then with Jeff Goldblum another Cronenberg film The Fly Cronenberg loves to mix science into his films and there's a lot of body horror here. There's a monster element. I think he does a great job in melding all of these things along with a romance component with Gina Davis. My picks, I feel like don't scare as much from their performances like Daniel Kaluuya, but I think what they're doing in these horror spaces are really fun making the audience feel things from that. Okay, ready to move on to the hardest category, Best Actress? This is truly awful, yeah. How do we feel about allowing six or seven nominees? <laughs> I mean, we could just, like, make it the Emmys. They have, what, six or eight? Yeah, let's make it the Emmys. That's a great idea. The Emmys have six. Okay, yeah, let's so do let's that. So let's just do that. That's much better. Still doesn't make it easier. <laughs> no, I was like... One... I'm not going to include because I know that you'll have her and we'll be able to talk about her. I know Mm. that people think it's an egregious snub, but I just want to make room for more people. 
just prefacing by saying that. Mm-hmm. So my nominees are Isabella Johnny for Possession, Shelley Duvall for The Shining, Mia Farrow for Rosemary's Baby, Deborah Carr for The Innocents, Lupita Nyong'o for Us, and Sissy Spacek for Carrie. Amazing. I left off Toni Collette, which I know is a big deal, but I feel mm-hmm. like I've praised her enough where it's okay. She'll be fine. It's a great performance. Everyone knows it is, but I had to include her. So to start my nominees, I have Toni Collette in Hereditary, Shelley Duvall in The Shining, Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby, Lupita Nyong'o in Us, Octavia Spencer in Ma, and Naomi Watts in The Ring. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> I, I love that you put Octavia in here after we just talked about her. Naomi Watts also really good in The Ring, and that movie scared me more than any movie we've talked about today. We have a couple overlapped here, so Shelley Duvall, Mia Farrow, and Lupita Nyong'o. One other person I want to mention leaving off here, Jodie Foster in The Silence of the Lambs is incredible, but for me, she won an Oscar, so she's not on my list. It's just how I did things. One of my favorite Best Actress wins ever. Yeah, and my Oscar winner that I left off here was Kathy Bates, who I kind of teased Mm -hmm. earlier for Misery, which her winning for this performance is when I think the Academy really went there. Like, good for them. Because this is creepy. She deserved it. She's been, like, through the horror world, through American Horror Story since then. So I feel like she's been able to live out that fantasy. But I love her here and how creepy she is as this admirer of James Kahn's character as an author and also like she's this nurse but she's deceiving him the entire time so yeah I think she was deserved there but I didn't want to put her on my list because I just had too many to choose from this is the greatest category really we should have saved it for the very end (laughs) how the Oscars should do it Mm mm-hmm Yeah, because, okay, so Lupita, she's playing two different characters. Yeah, which has come up for us quite a few times today already. Like, people (laughs) playing multiple parts. But then there's Shelly, who's just giving us all the horror. She is the Scream Queen. We are experiencing this world, this hell that she's in, along with her and as her character. So I really love how she takes it there. Like, she's trying to care for Danny, but also survive jack but then there's mia farrow i think these two characters specifically are more similar like we're trying to understand what's happening through them but this is also like rosemary's baby is just one of the best yeah (laughs) yeah i haven't returned to this in a long time but it's one of the best slow burns in terms of horror yeah oh it's so hard so speaking about those three lupita nyong'o absolute robbery that year at the oscars not getting a nomination Mm -hmm. when her work was the best in the category yeah playing two parts when you first hear that voice and we talked about this on our jordan peele episode talking about nope also when you hear that voice from her tethered that is so terrifying it's it's unreal to experience that for the first time so i had to include her mia farrow for rosemary's baby i really was reminded of how much I loved this performance and of the writing of the character when I saw Don't Worry Darling. And I realized that even though Florence Pugh was good in that movie, 
there wasn't anything there in that script to support her and there in that direction to support her, like in Rosemary's Baby. The way that this film unfolds, you have to have an actor who can pull you in to be on their side the entire movie. She isn't this woman also in a horror movie who has no agency at first. She's very normal. Like, she just lives with her husband, who she seems to be very in love with in their new New York apartment. And, but she feels like a real woman who you want to support through this. And through every, every single person that she encounters, you just feel for her at every turn. And that wasn't something I could say for Florence Pugh's character, Alice, and Don't Worry Darling. So besides the fact that Rosemary's Baby is my favorite horror film of all time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that that movie just didn't work for me, it just made me appreciate Mia Farrow and everything that she did here that much more. I mean, the physicality to her performance, too, when she's just so thin and just withering away and just desperate to find anyone to help her. It's just, it's a heartbreaking performance. And then, of course, beautiful ending as well. Just so sinister. Mm -hmm. Shelley Duvall, I think we do have to talk about the fact that she was put through hell on the set and was traumatized. And it's part of the reason why she didn't continue acting because of what Kubrick put her through during this experience. And she goes and makes Robert Altman's Popeye after this. Like, what an opposite swing to go do that because she just Mm -hmm. needed, she needed that. And she is such a wonderful actress who any of Robert Altman's movies that she's been in, I've loved her in Three Women the most. But in The Shining, I think what's so great about her performance that thankfully they've gone back and taken that Razzie nomination away (laughs) for this because they've realized that it's sexist and not deserved she plays a woman who's so fragile and she's sort of, I always think of her character as just this like fly buzzing around in the background for so much of it for Jack. Like she, she has to play this character who is just there observing, but also bothering him and every single line delivery that she has where it's just really high pitched or sounds sort of empty. That's all on purpose. Like that is all Shelley Duvall being this very specific characterization of Wendy. It is exactly what Kubrick wanted. She's very different from Wendy in the novel, but she's so perfect for how Wendy is supposed to be in this film. And you have to see her trying so hard because when she breaks, it's that much more dramatic. The scene when she is, when he's following her up those stairs in that big grand room in the Overlook, and she is just swinging that bat almost helplessly at him crying like she just looks broken and exhausted and it's it's just a great performance I think I'm just so happy that people now are looking at this performance in the right way which is that it's a really strong performance and they're not buying the idea that she's bad in this movie because she's not she's great but none of those three are actually my winner My winner is Deborah Carr for The Innocents. It's from 1961. It's a Jack Clayton film. It's an adaptation of the Henry James novel, The Turn of the Screw. Have you seen The Others with Nicole Kidman? Yeah, and I love that one. Okay, so this is just think of this as the first version of that, Mm -hmm. the original. Yeah, she's in the governess role. 
And Deborah Carr is just, she's so, so good at playing these women who are, they're very fragile, very emotional. And this performance, I feel like is just, it's, it's very, very expressive. And I feel like Deborah Carr famously never won a competitive Oscar ever, even though she's one of the greatest actresses of all time. She received six Oscar nominations for Best Actress. She did get an honorary, but I want her to have a competitive Oscar. So Mm -hmm. I'm giving her one here. And then my runner-up would actually be for Isabella Johnny for Possession, (laughs) which I just wanted to give someone who has an off-the-wall performance Mm -hmm. something. And this is incredibly committed. The scene when, I know you've seen Possession because we went together to see it at Metrograph, but for people who haven't seen Possession, all Isabella Johnny needed to do to earn this nomination for me takes place in this scene in the underground tunnels, like in the Metro. So just go watch that on YouTube. Watch the movie as well. It is bizarre. It's definitely not for everyone, but this performance is is it. Yeah, that movie was not for me. It's on so many best horror lists too, but my winner would have to be Tony Collette for Hereditary. I mean, maybe this is a bit overrated in the past few years, but I think she gives us just a phenomenal performance. Not only are there monologues, but Tony Collette is queen of facial expressions. Her frown. I can just like picture it right now. Mm-hmm. It's so good. When she comes in and out of her trance, when she's sleepwalking, but then like when they're doing the seance, there are just so many unique moments with her that I absolutely love. And her delivery is incredible. The whole ending with her crawling around, but when she's in Peter's room and she like has the match and the horror on her face when she realizes like what she's about to do is just terrifying. So she's my winner. My runner-up, I'm going to have to go like new age here and say Lupita Nyong'o for us because this is like the most horrifying performance, I think, on my entire board. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. And then with the others, yeah, go listen to our Ma episode on our Patreon for <laughs> Oscar Wilde After Dark. We had a lot of fun with this one, talking about her and the campy fun that she had with this performance. And Naomi Watts in the Ring, yes, this is a remake from the Japanese Ringu, but I think what she's doing here, like, I'm glad she's kind of having a resurgence, Naomi, with other horror films now. She's in the remake Goodnight Mommy on Hulu and also in The Watcher on Netflix. But this came out when I was a teen and scared me to death. Like, not only Samara, but I think her performance, you know, she, oh, the seven days and... Mm. Just the way she obsesses over everything and what happens to her. And I didn't mention Sissy Spacek, but she's incredible in Carrie. I'm so glad that she got a Best Actress nomination. So much of her power lies in her ability to like, be and appear so innocent and so fragile while also seeming powerful at the end of the day. And Carrie is such a sad horror movie to me because you do, even as Carrie is burning that gym down you still feel for her, for everything that's happened to her with her mother and with these horrible people in her high school. Okay, on to Best Director. My nominees are Dario Argento for Suspiria, Wes Craven for Scream, David Cronenberg, I'm going to say for Scanners, 
I love scanners. And then Alfred Hitchcock for Rear Window and Jordan Peele for Get Out. Okay. A lot of these I could just like pick any movie. Just like, I don't know. It's too hard. Okay. My nominees are John Carpenter for Halloween. Specifically the 1973 <laughs> Halloween. I don't want anything to do with his involvement in any sequel, which is why I'm recognizing him here. Anyway. And then I have David Cronenberg for The Brood, Julia Ducournau for Raw, William Friedkin for The Exorcist, and Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho. Also, we have no overlap. We have some people, but we don't have any any overlap. I think the reason why I picked The Brood is because this one, it has everything that I love about Cronenberg. I think it's one of his great masterworks. It has disturbing psychological themes in it, and it also has a lot of violence, but all of the violence is very purposeful. I always describe that when I'm talking about movies. I'm like, I always say, you know, if, if the violence in the movie is just there just because I really don't care, I see it almost as a turnoff, but this feels like one of his really strong body horror examples, and I feel like, but it also mm-hmm. is about how much he feared parenthood, which is interesting because he made this movie right after his divorce. And like, if you think about that and like his personal life and his experiences Mm -hmm. at that time, it makes the movie I think even more interesting. So I picked that one as just like a representative Cronenberg pick, but scanners is excellent as well. Just a few years later. Yeah. It's like, do we award him for something later as like, a retrospective kind of thing or is it for a certain movie they're also unique i also need to watch videodrome still but scanners just like really caught me by surprise in terms of its subject matter i feel like now it's been done so many times but i think like how he introduced this new person called a scanner which is basically like the psychic that mm-hmm. can control either other minds or things like computers His movies are definitely more psychological thrillers, but he uses horror elements in really creative ways and uses gore in these moments in also shocking ways. Like there's a moment when someone's head blows up and then you just aren't expecting it. So yeah, this was a really fun watch, but then he also has The Fly and you mentioned Dead Ringers before. He's just someone where I feel like if we have a best director category for horror you have to include him in some way because the academy is never going to and i think also like cronenberg i had to include argento just because of Mm -hmm. his influence on so many horror films to come and his films are so unique and they're fun like these 60s italian films are incredibly inventive and there are so many more that i have to see i mean he's directed 27 films but Again, a lot of them are covered on, like, the best horror films ever. Yeah, I mean, the Giallo film, like, Italian horror mm-hmm. is so is so big and so influential. Have you seen Deep Red? No, another one on my list. I know, it's like... I actually haven't seen that either, okay. despite, like, taking Italian cinema classes and things like that. It's a blind spot for me, for sure. But, like, that, Inferno, Opera, Phenomena. And then you included Wes Craven... I had to. Who I think others consider to be a classic horror director in the way that people think about Cronenberg or Carpenter. 
he reimagined horror in this modern world. Yeah, I mean, Scream just like redefined your horror expectations. Like mm-hmm. having that intro scene about Drew Barrymore and the big picture actually has a really cool oral history of Scream and how it came about. But like people reading the scene were just totally thrown off. You know, Drew appears and she's gone in the first 10 minutes. And like no one had ever done that before. So he has the whole Scream saga. But then, I mean, he's done other things too. He has The Hills Have Eyes. He also did A Nightmare on Elm Street. So he has all these unique horror films. And then just other like outliers. Julia Ducournau for Raw. I really wanted to include her because she sort of feels like the daughter of David Cronenberg. Like she is definitely very influenced by the way that he utilizes body horror in his films, but her films are just, they're so gross and so disturbing. This film is a coming of age story about cannibals, which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. another coming of age story about cannibals, bones and all this year. But I feel like her direction is so confident in a similar way that it is to Titan, but raw. I, I just really like how, emotional she is as a filmmaker too she really cares i think about her characters even though she puts them through horrible things in her movies Mm -hmm. so i wanted to include her here just for i think she's just a really she's an audacious filmmaker and i'm excited to see what she does next horror is definitely her space for john carpenter for halloween i mean i feel like so much of the halloween conversation now is about these horrid sequels and just this disappointing trilogy for me that I really just thought was terrible from David Gordon Green that just like it's not fun to me it ruins the legacy of Halloween so I wanted to go back to Halloween 1973 which I think is a perfect horror movie made on an incredibly low budget but under fantastic direction from Carpenter the way he blocks his scenes And the way he makes you feel terrified in the daylight is very impressive. And I feel like he created something really good. I just wish it was, I wish it stopped there. So that's why I want to recognize him here. So our only directors we overlapped on were Cronenberg and Hitchcock just for different movies. So I'm going to save Hitchcock for a second and mention my runner up who is William Friedkin for The Exorcist. He did not win, even though he was nominated. George Roy Hill won for The Sting, but I just feel like The Exorcist is such an achievement in directing how precise this movie is, how he didn't bend really to any of his rules, how he brought his documentary style filmmaking into this film. It's so impressive and it's why it works so well and why it's considered to be still I think the scariest horror film ever made. There is a documentary on Shudder that I believe I mentioned last year. If not, I will mention it here too. It's called Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. It's a delight. He just talks about The Exorcist for the entire runtime of this documentary. All of the decisions that he made, what he fought for, what he wouldn't get rid of, mainly the the scenes in the very beginning when we see mm-hmm. Pazuzu, that statue, and you get the feeling that the devil is is everywhere and that you're just this little human and anything can happen to you at any time and place. He establishes that tone and it's it's so good. And the way that he uses technical elements, like the sound design, the performances, just it's all around great. But my winner 
is Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho. I consider this to be one of the greatest achievements in directing in all of horror. I feel like people talk a lot about Vertigo as being his masterpiece, and I, I love Vertigo. I love Rebecca. I love Rear Window a lot. But here, what he does that is just so incredible to me is he deceives the audience in a way that is brand new. He shows them for the first act of the movie a film that they've seen before, something they know all too well. He gives them a film noir about Janet Lee as Marion Crane on the run. And audiences at the time, like they they were probably thinking, like, I, I know what this is. I know this story. I've seen this many times. This is something from 20 years ago, not something for right now. And then he does something that, again, in a similar way that you mentioned with Drew Barrymore, that had just, it hadn't been done before. He kills off the woman you've been following halfway through the movie Mm -hmm. in a very gruesome way. And if I could be transported back to any film experience, like any theater experience from any any point in time, I would go back and I would watch the exorcist. I'd wait in that line and I would see psycho with that crowd and just hear the screams because it just, it had to just be so incredible just thinking about it. And you know, when Arbogast dies in the second act and it just, it turns into this horror movie that no one had, no one was expecting. Like that is, it's so cool. And so many people have copied off of this movie for so long and have replicated the shots that he's used here. And it just, it creates this wonderful feeling of dread that I love. Mm -hmm. And it's why he's my winner. I know it's like basic probably to say Hitchcock, but I just couldn't go with anyone else here really. Like, not having Kubrick in my winner or runner-up, like, hurts so much, but... He'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Hitchcock is also my winner. I gave it for Rear Window here only because I wanted to spread the wealth, and I will have given Psycho a few awards. I think it was one that really focused my attention onto Hitchcock's direction. I think I saw Psycho when I was younger, And I knew it to be this huge horror film and it had a different effect on me than it does now. Like thinking back to the history of it and the release and how influential it was. But Rear Window is just one I can return to that always terrifies me. I mean, all of Hitchcock does anyway, so it's kind of redundant to say. But it's beautifully made. The spaces that you're stuck in with Jimmy Stewart's character... The voyeurism of it, you know, you're watching through this courtyard. It's a New York film. There's so many great elements. I love the color in the film as well. I think my runner-up has to go to Jordan Peele. He has given us three strong horror films that are not in any way the same. And I think that's really surprising from such a new director. But it's also incredible, you know, to go to the theater and not really know what you're getting. I think Nope being the most recent entry was so much fun and it's probably the least scary if we're talking about like movies we talked about today but there are horror elements and I think he capitalizes on all of those emotions of the viewer really really well like he knows what we want and he can deliver that nope is my favorite of his directorial achievements yeah I love it I love it it's only gotten better with time for me I mean, he was nominated for director for Get Out, and he won that screenplay, which was just incredible. We have yet to see. Maybe he will get recognized for Nope. That would be so incredible, but it's not going to happen, sadly. (laughs) 
I mean, never say never, I guess. I know. We have time. I mean, we there are time. other movies that have stuck around longer, so. Truly. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Our final category, we have Best Picture. We each picked 10 movies here. I wonder if we'll have any overlap. Okay, and before I start, I'm going to say I didn't include The Silence of the Lambs because it won Best Picture. And I also didn't include Jaws, which I know people consider a horror movie and would totally be in my top 10 because I love that film, but I don't consider it horror, so it's not on my list. Anyway, I have Alien, Mm -hmm. Carrie, Don't Look Now, The Exorcist, Halloween, The Innocents, Psycho, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining, and the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I also think is one of the scariest movies ever made. You're probably happy Jessica Biel didn't make my list then. I am so happy that we don't have to spend time talking about the Texas Chainsaw remake with Jessica Biel today. Okay, so my nominees are The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, The Descent, Halloween, The Original, yes. Okay, relax. okay, good. 2018, I honestly like the first one a lot. I think he plays on horror there more so in the other two. Jamie Lee Curtis being back is great. And Judy Greer, like getting her in a horror film is amazing. It works a lot better than the other two that are more campy and comedy, which mm-hmm. was a weird way to take the series, but whatever. Let's see. Okay, Halloween, It Follows, The Orphanage, Psycho, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining, Sisters, and The Wicker Man. Okay, so we have four overlapped. We have Halloween, Psycho, Rosemary's Baby, and The Shining. All classics. Let's talk about the others first, and then we can get back to these. Because if this is like our scariest of horror, Uh it would be kind of fun to see if we can choose like a mutual favorite it's very hard okay so a lot of mine i've already talked about carrie with piper laurie and sissy spacek this is a great de palma film it's i have two stephen king adaptations on my list this in the shining this is a nice tight film i highly recommend it also go listen to our episode on it last year don't look now from 1973 is a beautiful film about grief from Nicholas Rogue. It has my favorite editing of any horror film and my favorite use of the color red. Donald Sutherland, Mm -hmm. Julie Christie, highly recommend checking it out. The Innocence by Jack Clayton, I touched on with Deborah Carr, my best actress winner. This is just a brilliant gothic ghost story and I love those, so I had to include that here. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, I think, definitely in the running for the scariest movie ever made this makes you feel just so miserable and down and disgusting when you're watching it it also has a perfect final shot and alien it is a sci-fi film i've come around to it being a horror movie and i love its slow burn quality i think it's a perfect movie like it's a sentimental favorite for me because it's always been like a favorite in our house growing up and it was one of the first like great movies I was allowed to watch. So I don't know what that says, but I do love Alien and I wanted mm-hmm. to get something a little sci-fi inspired on my list too. Oh, and you didn't have The Exorcist. I did not. I don't know why not. I mean, I didn't have Carrie either, but I really wanted to put everything on here. There are so many that made the Oscars too. So I think in that way, I wanted to 
mention some others. My other six that we didn't overlap on, I haven't even mentioned yet in other categories. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, I've talked about before. For being a film from 1920 and to completely terrify me, and it's an hour, like there are just so many things that like shouldn't Mm -hmm. work, but it's so clear, like it's production design, it's German expressionism, it's characters, the makeup, everything is spot on. And it's just something that really surprised me, like having scared me that much. So I had to include it. The Descent, also incredible monster movie. This group of friends goes hiking. They get trapped in this cave and they find these monsters, these animals that have adapted to this darkness. This one's really scary. This is one I've seen once and I will never revisit. It really terrified me. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, I really recommend it. This is from 2005. The next one, The Orphanage, premiered at Cannes. It was at the New York Film Festival. One I don't return to that often, too, because it's so scary. And then Sisters, I watched last year for the first time. Found this new love for De Palma. It's very good. It's incredible. Again, a director that doesn't do the same thing twice. Have you seen Dress to Kill? No. Okay, I almost nominated Angie Dickinson. Mm-hmm. From Dress to Kill in my supporting actress list. And then lastly, The Wicker Man, the 1973 version. I haven't seen the Nicolas Cage version. Don't think I will, but the 70 version, it's such a clear inspiration for Midsommar. So if you're familiar with that movie, you kind of can understand like this world that you're in. But I feel like we mentioned a, a few movies today that are like this, that with that slow burn and you have the feeling that something just isn't right in this community. And as the movie continues, you like sink deeper and deeper into the insanity of these people. And I think the ending is really great. Not giving anything away, but I think Midsommar in that same way isn't a total ripoff of this movie either. It does incorporate unique elements. And then it follows is also one of my favorite like recent horror films i almost nominated micah monroe for this i think she's also great in watcher which is streaming now after you watch this movie you just are always looking over your shoulder it's such an interesting concept and i think for younger audiences is a really fun watch okay so the four that we have in common halloween psycho rosemary's baby and the shining Are there any that you want to make a pitch for as the winner? We also don't have to agree. We can if we want to, but... Because you're going to pick Halloween and Rosemary's Baby, and I'm going to say The Shining. I feel like we would both agree on Psycho. Our Hitchcock episode, we talk about this movie so much. Mm -hmm. Um, This is so tough. I mean, it's not that I don't like Halloween or Rosemary's Baby either. It's hard. Like if I if I'm personally choosing, like my favorite horror movie of all time is Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. But I would pick The Exorcist. Like I think that that's the most influential, exciting, scary, traumatic horror movie on the list. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going away from the Oscars entirely, I'm fine going with The Shining, actually. It is my most rewatched horror film and up there as one of my favorites. Psycho, I don't want to give it to because I've already given Anthony Perkins and Hitchcock Oscars, so I don't want to do all three. That's fair. <laughs> I don't want to give it three. So The Shining is 
my favorite horror movie ever. And I think Kubrick really deserved either a Best Director or Best Picture win. So I think for a movie that didn't show up at the Oscars at all, which is absurd, The Shining Mm -hmm. works. I'm really okay with Rosemary's or The Shining winning. I would probably favor The Shining. We could have two winners. Well, my real winner was going to be The Exorcist. Okay. But if I'm going to pick one that wasn't at the Oscars, I'm good picking The Shining. Okay. I watch it all the time still. I told a story recently about how during COVID, this movie became a comfort movie to me, which I know (laughs) sounds really disturbing, but like there was something about watching other people in isolation Mm -hmm. and knowing that that wasn't my situation and like seeing other people overcome their anxieties or not. There's just something about it that just like that hit Mm -hmm. me in a really, really peculiar way at that time. So I think just in general, echoing again, my personal winner would be The Exorcist. But if I'm taking out Oscar stuff, picking one that wasn't nominated for picture and that was not close, I would say The Shining. Rosemary's Baby, I just love because I think it's, it is the most terrifying movie out there about being a woman in the world. And it's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. And Halloween is Halloween and Psycho. It's like, there's so many good movies on this list. It's hard to pick. I think I would say my runner-up would be The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Classic. Yeah. Also, others I didn't mention. The Invisible Man. We could have put Elizabeth Moss on here. Oh, no, not that. (laughs) Goodnight Mommy, the original. Black Swan, if you want to consider that horror. I think I would. In Green Room, which I don't really consider horror, but... I almost put Anton on for Best Actor, but those are some like alternates that I really like. All of these movies on my list are like four and a half to five star mm-hmm. films for me. So a lot of mine are from the 70s, looking at my list now, which is unsurprising surprise, surprise. to everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm good with The Shining. Amazing. Okay, so let's go through our winners again quickly. So for Supporting Actor, I chose Jason Miller for The Exorcist. Supporting Actress, Piper Laurie for Carrie. Actor, Anthony Perkins for Psycho. Actress, Deborah Carr for The Innocents. Director, Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho. Picture, my personal pick is The Exorcist. And our combined pick is The Shining. And then my winners, Best Supporting Actress, I had Courtney Cox from Scream. Best Supporting Actor, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Best Actress, Tony Collette for Hereditary. Best Actor, Jack Nicholson for The Shining. Best Director, Alfred Hitchcock for Rear Window. And Best Picture, I would also go with The Shining for my own personal pick. So those are our picks for all six categories we wanted to talk about today for the first Oscar Wilde Horror Oscars. We shared this on Twitter and included a graphic, and I loved seeing everyone's responses Mm -hmm. to who they would pick for actors. We'll have to ask about picture and director, too, and see what everyone thinks. But it was just cool, I think, how people were really excited to share their nominees, because this is something that the Academy would never, ever do. They're not cool enough. So we wanted to create our own Oscars and honor all of the great actors and actresses in horror I think we've already had some incredible performances in horror movies this year. I loved Daniel Kaluuya in Nope. I almost put him on my actor list, actually. I thought he was great (laughs) in that movie. Kiki Palmer in Nope. 
Mia Goth and Pearl. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of really strong performances so far this year in horror. Mia Goth and X. Timothy Chalamet and Bones and All. But yeah, now I just want to go watch all of these movies all over again and like have a little horror movie night before Halloween. Everyone let us know what horror movies you're watching. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we'll be celebrating a new month, November. We'll be talking about some classic film noir. And we won't reveal just yet what our picks are. We'll tease them out across Twitter and Instagram over the week so you guys can get ready to watch along with us. But I'm excited for this classic genre that we haven't really discussed yet. We've touched on a little bit. But these are really fun movies. Let us know what your favorite noir films are. A lot of them did get recognized at the Oscars, so I think it'll be fun to talk about them. But also, we have many more years to come in coverage, so we'll definitely do some more in the future. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a lot of fun talking about the horror Oscars. I hope you all have a great Halloween. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, and also at patreon.com slash Oscar Wilde. That's where we have our Ma episode and we'll have other coverage coming very, very soon. And it ties in nicely with our picture win today because we'll have an episode on Jack Nicholson in The Shining very soon. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.